0: sure is fun to worship our God. Uh, my name is Derek. I'm also one of the pastors here. And uh, we are going to be in Acts this morning. So grab your Bible or your phone, whatever. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the cage in front of you. Reach down, grab one of those. And that's yours. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. We would love for you to have that. Um, but grab that, and we're going to be in Acts. But before we do, I have a little bit of a confession. And some of you are going to be offended, and some of you are going to relate. There's been times in my life where I think church is pretty boring. I was one of those. I grew up in a great church, but I knew how many tiles there were in the ceiling. Because I would do this, right? You know, I could count the tiles. And for a couple years, I was trying to figure out how many dots there were. Because, you know, the tiles I'm talking about, there's the dots on them. And I'm like, if I can get the math this way and this way and then multiply that. So I would do that when I should have been opening my Bible and listening there was some of, of that, and maybe you can relate. Don't raise your hand if you can, um, but here's another confession. At times, I thought the church was supposed to be boring, that the Christian life was even supposed to be a little bit drab, um, that, that the Christian life is about not doing all the fun things, right? That the more spiritual you are, the more boring you're going to be um, because you can't do all the, the cool stuff, Right? I mean, that was, that was how I honestly believed. And so don't judge me. Some of you agree with me. But God did some things in me and worked on me to adjust that. Um, and I remember being in college at one point, after God had kind of clarified some of this for me, I remember being in the back of the church, and I've shared this before, and, and it was a great church that I was part of. It was down in Southern California. And I remember in the back looking at, at men about my age now, so 40s, and they were doing this. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm like, that, that's what I used to, you know, and they'd be checking their watches. And I, it was one of those slow motion moments where it's like, I don't want my life to be that. Like the Christian life is not supposed to be boring. And there's a secret that I think we're gonna look at today. And we see in Proverbs 29, it'll be up here. Don't turn there. Proverbs 29:18, I think shares a little bit about this. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Without vision, people kind of do whatever. That's what that means. They just they go their own way, like, what's going to you know, make me happy? What's going to be fun? They cast off restraint. But with vision, right? With vision. Now, that word vision actually means revelation. So some translations actually have that, God's revelation. Without God's revelation, people do whatever. And that's not like a vision that you get from necessarily, but that's God revealing things to us, which he mainly does through his word. But part of that vision gives us an impetus to life. You know, we uh, began this series talking about Jesus, is his invitation. You know, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He also says, you will come to know me and I will set you free. And so the Christian life is, is freedom and peace and joy. And we've been going through the last couple of weeks looking at the idea of how we can experience that abundant life, how we can get out of our, our ruts, right? And Paul had a great example last week of getting stuck in the snow. Now I grew up in Colorado, so for us, that was just part of life. Um, if that happened, we did it on purpose, But, you know, Paul got stuck and somebody had to pull him out. And we see that the Christian life is all about relationships. The first one is our relationship with God, right? An abiding relationship with the living God who loves us. And without that, the rest is a waste of time, right? It begins with God, but then it overflows to one another. God has designed us to be in relationships with one another, with God's people. And then the third one... God has made us for relationships with those who don't know Jesus yet. So we had God time. Last week we looked at gather time, getting together to worship, right? The energy we just experienced. That's on, like God designed that for us to worship together. And then group time where we get together to actually share life and do all the one another's found in scripture. And there's so many of them. But here's the third. And this is the one, here's the secret. This is the one I have found many believers, me in that, miss which is why we live in this boring Christian rut, right, of go to church and whatever. It's, it's relationships with those who don't know God yet. We call this go time, right? Go time. And it's that where, for me at least, I experienced kind of the vision that God would have uh, unveiled to me over time. And it started when I was 16. When I was 16, I got to go on a missions trip to Fiji. And you're thinking, ooh, Fiji, which is what I was thinking. <laughs> but when I went, like, we had to wear long pants and construction boots, and it was, it was hard. But during that summer, God gave me a vision through experience and his word that life wasn't about me. I mean, I got to go out, and so I was a pretty cool kid. I mean, you could probably guess that. <laughs> but on this, on this trip, uh, this wasn't a construction trip. That would have fit me. We did dramas. So I had a little makeup bag where I would do, yeah, that's right. A mime makeup, you know, mimes. Like I actually had to do mime makeup and it took me a little bit to get like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. And then we'd go out into public, right, on the street and we'd start doing weird things to get attention with our mime makeup. And then we'd go into like a, a, a silent play sharing the gospel. And other times we would go for walks down streets, me and, and I'd go with two of the teammates to evangelize. Like, all right, our goal is now to go strike up a conversation with a stranger and, and bring it to Jesus. That, that was ho- I'm 16 years old. So me and these two kids are, I mean, I was a kid. We were walking along and, and we meet this guy in the street. We're like, we can do this, right? We can do this. This is really awkward. And we start talking to him and, and he spoke English, which was great. And he's like, oh, I'm going to the market, but go to my house, go inside and wait for me there. Um, <laughs> we go up there, right? And, and we're outside of his house. We're like, we're not going in his house. How awkward is that? The lady from across the street comes over. Hey, come to my house. Okay, but all right, right. So we go there. He comes back from the market, sees us over there. She says, no, come back to my house. Turns out that was his daughter, so it, it was all good. We come in, sit down. He goes outside, climbs a tree, picks bananas, brings them back down, and gives them to us. This, I mean, this whole experience, and there was many more, was just part of life's not about me. Seeing how people live. The next year, I got to go to Russia on another missions trip and worked with orphans. Right. And seeing how these orphans, I mean, these things over time changed my heart to this isn't about me. And for me, that's what made the Christian life move from boring to exciting. Right. I, I went to college and I joined a, uh, um, a gospel choir. So if you can picture me, uh, probably the only white one in the group, two of us uh, with the whole clapping. And I mean, it was awesome. And we would travel around and sing. And Callie doesn't think we were very good, but we were. Um Or uh, inner city, you know, for a while I was going to the inner city working in Watts. If you've ever heard of Watts uh, in an after-school program, if you don't know Watts, go listen to some gang rap and they'll refer to Watts often. But going and working with those kids, and I mean, on and on, God gave me these opportunities to communicate, it's not about you, right? So God time, we need it. We need this time. In in fact, anything that God's going to do through our life is going to be as an overflow of what He does. In our life. So we can't skip this, but we also can't skip this, right? Because this is our time to to be rallied, to be encouraged, to worship. But then we also need that last one of of go, right? Get off your donkey and go to those who don't know him yet. So turn to page one thousand six, if you're not there yet. Acts one, page one thousand and six. We're just gonna read. Eight verses, Acts 1, 1 through 8, just a little context. Uh, This book, Acts, was written by Luke. Uh, Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke that told Jesus' story. You know, the Gospels tell the story of Jesus' life. Acts picks it up right at the end there after his resurrection. So Jesus has died, risen from the dead, and that's kind of where we pick it up. Acts 1, 1. In the first book, O Theophilus. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now so when they had come together they asked him lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel he said to them it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the ends of of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him from their sight. These are Jesus's last words, right? He gets together, I I love this passage. This is one of my favorite passages because he gets together with his his disciples. They're like, hey, are you gonna set up you know, the the historic Israelite kingdom now? He's like, none of your business. (laughs) I got some things for you to do and see ya, right? And, And he, I mean, floated up into heaven. Awesome. But what did he do for 40 days after he rose from the dead? It says here, for 40 days, he spent time with them teaching. What did he teach them about? The kingdom. For 40 days, he talked about what looks like pretty much one thing, the kingdom of God. You know, we talk about the church. You know the word church is only used once in the New Testament? One time, right? Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right. The idea is the kingdom. Now, the church. This is supposed to be right. I mean, we are. To, I mean, the, I'm sorry. Jesus talked about the church only that one time. Throughout the rest of the New Testament, you see everything about the building of the church. But the kingdom is bigger than just one church. This is in your notes. The kingdom of God is His present, spiritually directed reign, gradually transforming individual lives and entire cultures through the power. Of the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom. And the kingdom exists now and it's growing until He returns to set it up as a physical perfect kingdom. So let's get a little vision, right? That, that Proverbs verse. Without vision, people just wander around and do whatever they want. Here's a little vision God is building His kingdom right now. Did you know that? God is at work right now building His kingdom. Without removing free will in his sovereignty, he's doing something. Now, there's a lot of pessimism in the United States, if I'm honest, about the church. Oh, the church is in decline in North America, um, and it is. But here's some truth. First, what did Jesus say? In Revelation 5, 9, we see this. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals referring to Jesus. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. God in his sovereignty has a plan to save somebody, at least one, from every tongue, tribe, and nation. you see that? The eternal kingdom is going to be awesome. There's going to be representatives from every culture, everywhere, every language. That's part of his plan. And again, we have this, this pessimism And some of that is a little bit legitimate if you look at the study. So we're going to uh, Honduras this summer. There's a team. And our team is going through some training and I'm learning some kind of cool things. And one of those things we learned in the past couple weeks is that 30%, roughly 30% of the world's population has little to no uh, exposure to Jesus Christ or the Bible. 30%, right? That means 30% of the population probably will go their whole lives never hearing the name of Jesus that's a lot right that seems like a lot but at the same time the church is growing so in China again this is stuff I learned so I'm going to share because I think it's cool in 1949 in China there were 750,000 Christians that was when communism began now 85 million Christians in China do you hear that 750,000 turned into 85 million. It's 6% of the population in China are Jesus followers. Do you know Northern Nevada is less than that? Yeah. So that's kind of, it. gives me chills. That's kind of cool. Uh, one of the things we've been studying talks about a kingdom movement. And they define a kingdom movement th- this way. 1,000 people baptized in a certain geographic area within 20 years. Or 100 churches planted in a certain area in 20 years. And so they talked about a kingdom movement specifically in the Muslim world. So we're we're talking, right, uh, the Arabic world, uh, North Africa, Middle East, Asia, some of that. In that area, they define these movements. In the 19th century, 1800s, two movements to God in that time. In the 20th century, which most of us were born, well, maybe not, some of you are young. It's a family Sunday. So anyway, when I was born, right, in the 1900s, how many movements do you think there were in that time, 11, 11 movements in the 20th century to God in the Muslim world. How about this century? So far, right, and there's only been 23 years. So far, they've measured their 75 movements. That's, right, amen, it's okay to say amen to that. That's exciting stuff, meaning things are growing, right? This 30% that has no exposure, that used to be 45% when I was a kid. And they estimate that if it continues at this pace in the next 25 to 30 years, that's done. Everybody. And when I was a kid, that was kind of the impetus. Once everybody has exposure, once there's somebody saved from every tongue, tribe, and nation, Jesus returns, so let's get going. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great to me. I want him to come back. So this is exciting. Here's the point. God is expanding his kingdom in the world today. He is. How? How does he do it? Look at verse 8. How is God expanding his kingdom? Acts eight, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How is he doing it? You. Jesus is speaking to his apostles, his disciples. You. That word you, though, is the Texas form of that word. It's y'all. <laughs> right? That word is, is you, plural. And he's speaking to his disciples, and he says, again, remember, wait, the Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit didn't come just upon the 12. The Holy Spirit came upon 120 at one time. So he's not speaking to just those. By extension, he's speaking to every disciple, meaning y'all, or or all y'all. I don't know if I'm getting that right. I'm not from the South. Um, But this this is you. This is me. Here's the point. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. I've heard lots of stories of people coming to Christ around the world. I've never heard one that didn't involve somebody who already belonged to God, part of that. We are God's plan A to lead others to Christ, and there is no plan B. We have the privilege to share the story of Jesus. And you notice here in Acts, this isn't a command, right? A lot of times we add this to our Christian life a little bit, like, okay, now i got to go do my outreach thing. This isn't a command. This is just a statement. You will be my witnesses. If you are a Jesus follower, if you belong to him, you are a witness, period. So here's the, the question: Are you a good one? If somebody is in a relationship with you, they know you're a Jesus follower, and you're the only Christian they know, what are they gonna think about God? You are a witness. This isn't optional. We exist as witness. So what is a witness? What is a witness? A witness is somebody who simply tells what they've seen so this is in your notes as a witness our role is simply to tell the story of what we have seen and experienced think about a courtroom right whatever a courtroom we're a witness we get on the stand what have you seen god has done this here's what i know again we need to go to scripture this is his revelation here's what we know about god notice we're not the lawyer we're not the one arguing and, and making our case, you know, trying to persuade or cajole people to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit does that, right? We're not called to be the judge, hurling condemnation at people. We are the witness, joyfully sharing what God has done for us, what he's done for them and pointing them to Jesus. That is our role, to give an accurate testimony from personal experience. Now, again, who? Who does he use? Pastors? missionaries no all, all y'all <laughs> right all of us construction workers teachers i mean go down the list mothers he uses all of us now i've heard this you probably have to you probably thought this so oh, i don't know enough what if they ask me a question i can't answer they probably will y- you're not told to know all the answers you're just told to be a witness and it's okay to say i don't know <laughs> right Or maybe I don't know, I'll get back to you. Or hey, come talk to somebody else who knows a little bit more. But we are just called to be a witness. We're not called to be theologians, right? You know, we're not called to to preach at people. That's my job. I'm preaching at you. We're called to just be a witness, just to point to Jesus. You know, the book of Acts is the story of the early church. Uh, In fact, the pattern we see in this verse is what's followed through the rest of it. But later, uh, we see the Apostle Paul, and Paul will go on his missionary journeys, and he'll go to towns where he finds believers already there. How did that happen? Because the believers in Jerusalem, a great persecution broke out, and they fled, all but the apostles, it says in Acts. They fled to the known world. So then later, Christians are traveling around, and they're finding other believers. Why? Because the craftsmen, the potters, go down the list. They went, and they lived as a witness. People are like, what do you have that we don't have? His name is Jesus. Maybe you've heard this. Live as a witness, and when necessary, use words. If you've been here long, you know what I'm going to say. Bleh. Yes, live as a witness. Our first witness is how we live, but we have to use words. I'll be honest, that's a cop out. Live as a witness, and when necessary, use words. Ooh, I don't have to share, I don't have to get awkward. Uh uh-uh. uh. Romans 10 14. But how can they call on him to save? unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Meaning, you gotta use your words, (laughs) right? If you've had kids, right? Use your words. (laughs) Same with us, right? We live as a witness and we use our words. Now, I wanna try and make this a little bit simple for us because now I know some of you are like, this is gonna get awkward. He's gonna call us to do things I don't wanna do. Yep, but... We want to make it kind of easy. So how do you live as a witness? If you get the opportunity to share the answer, three questions, fairly simple. One, before Jesus, I blank, right? What was your life before Jesus? Now, you could get wrapped up and spend a half an hour talking about how evil you were. Don't do that. You know what I mean? We know how evil you were. But a little bit, right? Just enough, that, you know, that's suitable. Before Jesus, I, I met Jesus when? Like what happened in your life that made you go, I'm lost? I need a Savior, right? I am helpless and hopeless without Jesus, His death and resurrection. And then since Jesus, I, what has He done in your life? And if you've started abiding and walking with Him, part of that story is going to be things got hard. It's not, for most of us, the story isn't that everything got perfect from then on. No, it's life continued to get be hard, but God went through it with me, right? How has God shown up in the difficulties? How has He given you peace and joy? And so, For an example, I asked Tyler uh, if he would record his testimony for us. Um, Now, he did it and very sweet of him because they just had a baby a couple days ago. So he did this, I think, a couple hours after the baby was born or maybe the next day. So watch Tyler's testimony real quick.
1: Good morning everyone, I'm Tyler and I've been attending Common Ground for five years now. I have the pleasure to share with you my testimony of coming to faith in Jesus. Before Jesus, I remember very specific times in my childhood that involved the church. At that time, I went to Calvary Chapel in the Ranchos. The only things I took away from my short time there were bloody noses from playing games, singing songs in Sunday school, and Jesus' is why we're saved. I got into a lot of problems in school. I got picked on a lot, I lied, and overall did not have a solid understanding of how my actions could affect others. As I continued into my adolescence, I remember the times my family and I would go out to a field on Highway 88 on Sunday and worship, go through the Bible, and talk about it. At that point, we were not churchgoers, but it continued to reinforce that Jesus is there. But I never had a firm foundation. The only problem I realized later is I was not part of a community and could not be guided or held accountable for things I was doing. There was a large gap in my life after this where I did nothing to grow and continue to do what I wanted. It was in time that my wife. Seven years later, I felt things change. My wife and I went on this spiritual journey together when we met. We started to look for a church and attended one a few month, uh, for a few months before we felt like we were just a number. Then we were told about Common Ground by my parents, who started shortly before. During our first attendance, we were astonished by the feeling we got when walking in. Derek and Paul introduced themselves, which seemed weird as they were pastors. I had never experienced that before. I met Jesus when listening to a sermon shortly before I chose to get baptized. It was a sermon about the dirty jacket, and when having Jesus in your life, you get a new one, a clean one. The visuals of that sermon weighed heavy on me. It felt real, something I could easily understand. It made me realize what I looked like to God and others, and that was the moment I knew I wanted to die to self and be raised in the newness of life. I was baptized at 25 on October 2018. Since I met Jesus, so many wonderful and downright difficult things started to happen. Knowing why they happened and who is in control made it so much easier to handle through him. I recognized my gift should be used for his glory, so I started serving and have been for around five years. I have done slides, audio, and currently do live streaming. I have been an adult leader for youth for four years now, and seeing what he's doing through me fills my heart to know that I am a servant of his. I have two girls, a two-year-old, and one that was born on Monday. If I'm not here today, I'm with my wife learning how to balance this new change. There's just not enough time to talk about all the specific hardships and difficulties I've experienced since giving my life, but nothing compares to the joy he brings and the brothers and sisters around me who have helped me through all the difficult times. If you want to know more about my testimony, I am always open to talk about it. Thanks to everyone who has been a part of my journey and those who are part of so many others' journeys. Thank you all for listening to a condensed version of my testimony.
0: And Tyler, I'm sure you're watching. Uh, Thank you. And Tyler's parents are here in the back. Um, But he's just, that's one story. You have your story, right? Uh, Of the people who were involved, uh, of what God did. We all have our stories and and certain people will relate to that story. So here's a question. Where? Where? Where do we share our story? Where are we to be a witness? Acts 1.8. You will be my witness where? In Jerusalem. That's where they were. That's where they lived. At home. You you are a witness where you live, work, and play, where you naturally do life. Uh, So back here in the hallway, you'll see we have kind of a map, and it says put a pin where you live, work, and play. The point is, this is where we already exist. We are called to be a witness there, meaning you kids in school, guess what? You're, you're a witness. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a witness Witness to, to fellow students, even teachers. Uh, where we go to work, your coworkers, where we play, right? Do you coach your kids' sports team or your kids' on Wherever we are, we are a witness. And so that's the first note there. We are called to be a witness to those around us in our day-to-day life. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, this is often called the Great Commission. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of All nations, remember, see that again? All nations, kind of cool. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we talk about this in the church a lot, right? Go make disciples. That go really is as you go. Meaning in your daily life, you are a witness. You don't have to add something to your schedule to do this. Be a witness. But... It's not passive. It, it, you know what I mean? It is a natural overflow of Jesus in us, but we do have to be intentional. If you're anything like me, you have to be intentional with this. So where are you at? Uh, how about number two? Where? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. Jerusalem was within Judea, right? It was kind of like a city with, within a state or, or a, a county. So for us, what, what is our Judea around, right? Northern Nevada, uh, sometimes else, California, right just across the border there, right, our our area. But this one is a little bit beyond. This one takes, I would say, a little bit more intentionality. Where There's life as we already do it, where we live, where we work, where we play. But then there's our community a little bit beyond. And there are needs, and there are people that don't know Jesus that might never meet a believer. Because I already told you, the percentage here is less than China. So they might never meet a believer unless we intentionally go maybe a little bit out of our way to meet with them so we are called to be an intentional witness in our broader community here's another little point about how we go right we already showed here how you share your testimony but as we go there's another piece of this and in Matthew 10 Jesus sent his disciples out and he gave them an instruction as they went here's what he said in Matthew 10 He says, as you go, preach this message, right? Share the story of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is near. Then he says this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Right before this, Jesus gifted them to do these things, right? He gave them the ability to do these things, meaning we emulate the disciples, we emulate Jesus. Whenever he went, he met real needs. Jesus healed. Jesus fed. We meet real needs and we share. Again, he is our example. As we go, we use our gifts and abilities to serve others and share the good news of Jesus, right? A lot of times people aren't going to care about what you say until they know that you care. I mean, we've all heard that, but it's true. Just showing up for people in their life makes a difference. All right, number three, where? The ends of the earth. Yikes, (laughs) right? Beyond our immediate area. What did he say there in the Great Commission? All nations, go make disciples of all nations. Meaning, we are called to be a witness across cultures and languages. Are all of us called to be foreign missionaries? No. Are you called to be a foreign missionary? Maybe. Maybe. Have you ever thought about that? One of our values here is sending capacity, not seating capacity. We would love to be sending missionaries out. We would love to be sending out groups to plant new churches around. Some of you are probably called to do that, and you've never really thought about that yet. But all of us are called to be involved, right? All of us are called to be involved in foreign missions. Again, God works through his people, not around them. And we need to go across cultures. And we saw 30% don't have access. How are they going to get access? Those with access, cross cultures, learn those languages, translate the Bible into it, right, and go. That's what it's going to take. So with this in mind, we're going to have Ben come up. Where's Ben? Ben's way over there. Ben's going to share with us um, about Thailand. So they just got back from Thailand. They went, yep, across cultures. So Ben is going to do us a favor and answer two questions. First question. Yes. What, did, What? one thing, one thing, time is limited. So, one thing significant that happened while you were in Thailand.
2: We had the opportunity to directly share the gospel with about 950 people who would never have had the opportunity otherwise. And... And and this was in the context of uh, very, very remote villages. Um, It's hard to describe what this looks like um, if you've never left this country, Um, the the level of poverty, the level of need there. Uh, And and in that context, uh, what was really cool was the ministry that we were partnering with had targeted one of these villages before, uh, about five or six years ago. And the response at the time was about 90 percent rejection of even receiving a tract, about 90 percent rejection rate. Five years later, we're talking five years of prayer, five years of, of planning, five years of prayer walks, the same village um, out of about 300 people that received a tract, only one person rejected it. That's a five- year difference <laughs> And so this this Part of the world, which is heavily entrenched in Buddhism, but also animism, which is which is spirit worship, is hungry for the gospel, like we've never seen before, and that's super exciting. And that's that's decades and decades of prayer, and 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 tilling extremely hard soil, and and our team got to see that. They got to experience that, and it was amazing.
0: So I said three, but here's a. I said two questions. Here's a different one now.
2: You got. You only get two.
0: Why no. Uh, Would you say this area is within that 30%?
2: Absolutely. Um, Let me put it in a little bit of context. Um, In this district that we were in, district is kind of like a county, uh, there's about 90,000 souls. In these 90,000 souls, there's about 20 Christians. How many of you guys live in, like, Gardner Rancho's area? Raise your hand. Gardner Rancho's, a couple okay I'm gonna pick on the Lions because I know them (laughs) imagine being the only Christians in the Gardner Ranchos area the only Christians how isolated that could be how how hopeless that could feel and yet we were distributing tracts to people who were not only just hungry for the gospel but said can you come back could you guys maybe meet in my house God's at work.
0: Cool. So then how can we, how do you think we can continue to be involved? Because God is moving. Uh, What are the future opportunities for us as a church to be
2: involved? Absolutely. Um, As you have already guessed by those numbers, the the need there is is extreme. And so in this district, um, there are still dozens and dozens of villages who have never heard the name of Jesus and won't unless we engage them. The, the local body of Christians there are on fire, and it's so exciting to be with them because they are passionate about Jesus. But that's one Christian for about 5,000 people who aren't, roughly. Uh, so there's a tremendous opportunity for us to partner with them, with what they are doing, to encourage them, to support them, and then to actually be there with them, sharing the gospel in places it's never been. Awesome. Thank you. Um, promo, real quick. Yep. Come next back week. next Sunday night after Serve Sunday. Come back six thirty. You'll hear from more of the team and yep. some of their stories, and it's you don't want to miss it. Totally. There's gonna be pictures and. <laughs>
0: No, it's awesome. And do, please do come. Again, next Sunday night is going to be an awesome time of music and worship. But again, hearing more about things like this and what God is doing. Uh, You know, it's it's trips like that um, that changed my heart. I mean, I told you, I was bored in church. I'll be honest. I knew Jesus, though. I was saved. It wasn't until he gave me a vision that, hey, uh, life's about more than just your comfort, your church experience. It's about those who don't know me yet. And it's getting awkward. I mean, I showed you about some of them. Getting awkward and getting out there, God changes lives. And so for you guys, for us, we're going to have more opportunities, right? We have a team. We're going to Honduras this summer. Um, We're probably, again, we're hoping to go back to that area in Thailand, maybe into Laos with a medical mission. Uh, we have a missionary in Guinea that we support um, and possibly we'll be going there. We Hopefully we'll be going there as well. There are opportunities. It's kind of exciting. We've wanted to do this for years, but COVID, right, kind of shut borders down. We have the opportunities to go and God has been working even during these shutdowns. So this is exciting. And we're called right here to do all three, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. We're called to go all. And, and as a church, we can be part of all of this you are a witness where you are but you can support also other opportunities and maybe you right maybe god wants you to go on one of these short-term missions now real quick how is this possible how does god do this go back to this verse acts 1 8 he begins it you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you this is huge god's the power we aren't the power we don't have to convince, right? We don't have to be creative, uh, or, right? It's not up to us. Our job is just to go. And he's the power. He will do. He will move. You'll be surprised if you say yes to this and you start maybe building relationships open spiritually to share your faith, you'll find there are some in your life the Holy Spirit's already working on. He's doing things, and you open it up, and they go, tell me more, right? God, these things have happened. What's it, right? God is at work. And he's calling us to be part of it. But he is the power. Remember, it's God's plan. It's God's power. And it's our privilege just to be part of what he's doing. So as we wrap up, um, we want to give you a challenge. We're calling this the the 5% Life Challenge because we've been talking about ruts, right? That's the, the whole idea of this series is getting out of our ruts. And the Christian life is all about relationships. And relationships take time and so maybe you're already doing this um and if so great do it if not great do it the five percent life so again here's the challenge one percent one percent of your day spent alone with god one percent of your day that equates to 15 minutes right when you put it in that it bites it's not that big a deal. like you can find that find a place right a consistent time if your schedule permits uh, and then something have a plan What am I going to go through? And and we actually have some options out there for you, uh, devotionals and things to help you find something to go through. There's a a YouVersion Bible app that has tons of, it makes it easy. It'll even buzz you, right? It'll remind you, how cool is that? So there's really no excuse for us, but that's the one. 1% of your day alone with God. And remember, I would say that's the most important. And, And it's one of those, be consistent with, not legalistic with, oh, I missed a day, God's mad at me. no. Right, God wants you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. That's not the way he's going about it. So consistent, 1% of your day, 1% of your week gathering to worship. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to worship together. We're supposed to hear from God's word. We're supposed to sing. Right? We're supposed to hear testimony. This is what we're supposed to do. So that equates to about an hour and a half a week. And our service here is normally about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So that's part of the commitment. I'm going to worship at my church with God's people weekly. Uh, And part of that, you'll read in this, this is for all of you that's out on the table, uh, in most communities, there's a handful of good churches, right? And so for you, we hope it's common ground, but it might not be. It might be another one. But a church that you call home, and I'm going to worship here and I'm going to dig in here. The third one is gather time, right? We say 1% of that. That's about seven hours a month, right? 15 minutes a day, hour and a half a week, seven hours a month, gathering with God's people and sharing life. And the way we do that here is through groups, which we're getting near to the end of the semester. But today, right after the service, there's one more table groups. Hang out and just see what that's like. And here's what's kind of cool. It's the last one of the semester. So if you pop in, there's no expectation you coming back next week. But you can get a taste, right, for, for next summer that this isn't okay. And then here's the last one, though. 2% of your year on go time. 2% of your year. Do the math. That's about seven days going. Now, this is where we can get goofy, where we can go, I'm going to check the outreach box. We don't want to just check a box. This should be a lifestyle. This should be an overflow of God in us, but we do need to be intentional. And there's a lot of ways to do this go time, right? It could be intentionally with your coworkers in your community. It could be coaching a little league team and just being intentional with the relationships with those or just attending, right? You don't have to be the coach, but go and be intentional with those around. It could be going on a short-term mission, right? You go on one of those trips. Those are seven to 10 days. There it is. You can just mark it off and be done. No, right? (laughs) That's not the idea. But that's part of it, right? That we go, and as we go, God works in us to do some great things. And so our challenge is that you would do this, this 5% life challenge. And in your bulletin, whatever, or you can scan it, right? One of the next steps is the 5% Life Challenge, and we would encourage you to do it, and we would like to know that you're doing it, right? Um, So do that. Head out to the table, and at the table out there, you can grab one of these, right? That kind of helps you think about these times, um, and there's also resources there. There's resources for your your daily time with God, different devotionals you can look at and pick from. Um, Some are free, some are way discounted. Like if you went on Amazon, they'd be 25 bucks, but out there they're 10 bucks. Take advantage of that because we just want to help you connect with God. And then the go time, right? If you scan the back of this thing, you'll find opportunities through Common Ground in the community to go make a difference. And so with that, let's try something. Let's pull out our phones. I know you got them. Pull out your phone and scan this because next week we have an opportunity to be part of going. And this is significant. We have organizations in the community that have asked us to come back. We have organizations that have said, you guys show up so well. Please do more. This is an opportunity. Scan this and figure out what group you're going to be on next week. Right? Uh, Sorry. Big fat head in the way. Yeah, scan that right there. You can fill out quickly where do you want to serve next week? Again, this is maybe the easiest way to get started, to do something. Um, If you aren't tech savvy, no big deal. There's a table out there you can go, and we'll help you do it there, right? Or the it's in, yeah, it's paper. You can, in the back, okay, do paper too. Lots of opportunities um, for us to go get involved with what's happening. On your bulletin there, you know, we have these next steps. um, And there's just three. Accept the 5% Life Challenge. Sign up for a serve team. Or the third, stay for table groups this week. Try it out. See what relationships might be like. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we, uh, we love you. We thank you that we have the freedom to gather to worship. We have the freedom to get into homes and do life. And God, I thank you for the opportunities we have to go. God, we live in an area where there are many people who don't know the name of Jesus. They've never heard the gospel. I I pray that you would embolden us and give us the opportunities. God, we also have unique opportunities to go, to go further out. God, please continue to give us those opportunities. Help us to be good stewards of those, to go, to to give financially to those, uh, to spend our time going, and to get uncomfortable for you, because Jesus, we know you got uncomfortable for us. Uh, you took on a body, you went to the cross, you died that we could have life. Um, God, we want to share that with others. We thank you, we love you, in your name, amen. As we move to our time of worship and, and communion, um, I'm going to be in the back over here on the right. If you want to talk to me, you, you realize maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, I would love to share with you how and pray with you. So I will be in the back right.